0: Hi, I'm John Visgloski, and this is Not-So-True Crime. On today's Origins episode, we're going to be breaking down our second show. It's a story called First Semester. We'll also spend a little bit of time discussing the process of mixing and editing an episode, which is one of the most critical and difficult stages of creating any podcast. In particular, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about how to create a good balance between sound and silence when you're doing a final mix of a show. It sounds a bit counterintuitive, which is probably why it took me so long to figure out, but sometimes when you're mixing a piece of audio, the most critical element, the thing that more than anything else is going to decide the quality of your narrative is knowing when to just shut up and introduce a moment of silence. See what I did there? Okay, enough with the introduction, let's get to our main topic. This is the origins episode for our second story, first semester. If you've already listened to that show, and I sincerely hope that all of you have, you'll know that it's about a girl named Dana Bradley, who's getting ready to leave home to attend her first year of college. But beyond all the typical anxieties of your average college freshman, Dana also has an abusive stepdad who not only poses a threat to her, but also to her younger brother and her mom. In terms of initial inspiration, the story really sprang from two completely different places. Uh, The first being a lot of my friends, many of whom work as prosecutors. In their capacity as attorneys, they've spent a lot of time prosecuting murders and assaults, and in particular, a number of sex crimes. And it was after speaking with them and hearing these stories about the victims and a lot of their cases, that I really started developing a strong desire to write a story that centered around domestic violence. Now, domestic violence isn't exactly a very cheerful topic. In fact, it's about as uncheerful a subject as you can get. But it is something that affects a lot of people in a way that is incredibly damaging and profound. And more than anything, what struck me when listening to all these stories about all these different trials was that it's not something that the average person really thinks about very often. For those who either know somebody or who have personally experienced this type of abuse, it's something they think about on a daily, if not hourly, or minute-by-minute basis. And that's because this type of violence, more than a lot of other crimes, really creates lifelong trauma. It is something that sticks with you forever, something that doesn't go away. It is, in fact, something that becomes generational, something that gets passed down from parent to child. It was not a coincidence that in most of these cases, many, if not all, of the perpetrators had themselves been victims of abuse at some point in their lives. So it's not just this thing that happens and then goes away. It is this virus that, once contracted, cannot be expelled from your system. It can be managed with therapy and the help of a dedicated support network, but it is not something that will ever go away. So that was the first thing that really lit a fire in me to write a story that would deal with this topic, knowing all these people who are prosecutors and hearing about all these trials. But I didn't have any sort of story in mind, I just had this formless, shapeless kind of desire to write a story about domestic violence and its profound effect on a single family. It wasn't until I was messing around one day on the internet that I started to actually formulate a plot. And it happened in sort of a random way when I was looking around on Reddit. I wasn't really searching for anything in particular, I was just sort of wasting time, and I came across a subreddit where all of these different users were sharing stories about the craziest things that had ever happened to them, and a lot of them were pretty hokey. There was uh, one story from a guy who claimed to have spent a night in a haunted hotel. A lot of very unbelievable tales about little kids seeing or interacting with ghosts. But then there was one that was really different and it was a story that makes up the middle portion of what became this episode. It was a post by this woman who claimed that her mom, who had just gotten out of an abusive relationship, had started receiving these calls from an unknown number, speaking with someone who claimed to be a professional hitman who had a contract out to kill them. And she described getting this call from her mom, hearing about what had happened, being very scared, and and then jumping in her car and racing home to make sure everything was okay. And it was just so full of real doubt and, and real pain that I just found it to be incredibly compelling and from that little anecdote, this whole other narrative started to develop. All that backstory about Dana's father and the abuse committed by her stepdad, Brad. So it was really a case of just reading something that inspired all these other really interesting plot threads. My main goal in writing the episode was to tell this story about domestic violence and the effect it has on this daughter, who's really forced to step in and take care of the rest of her family. I I just personally love stories about kids who are forced by circumstances outside of their control to really step up and deal with situations that are way beyond their maturity level. And that's really what you're getting in the case of Dana. She's only 18, so in a lot of ways she's still just a kid, but at the same time she's really smart and she's also incredibly tough and protective. And even though her mom is still in the picture, Dana has become her family's caretaker, for the simple reason that she's really the only one who's capable of taking care of the others. I also wanted to write a story that hopefully gives the listener an accurate picture of how it feels, psychologically and emotionally, to live with a family member who is abusive. There's a great passage in the book, Less, by Andrew Sean Greer, where the protagonist describes how it feels to live with a genius. And the way the character puts it in the book is that it's like living with a tiger who could eat you at any moment. And I think the same can really be said of living with someone who is abusive. It just engenders this constant state of anxiety and tension because you don't know what's going to set them off and make them lose their temper. The victim isn't sure how or when their abuser is going to hurt them again. The only thing that is certain is that at some point it will happen. So in a lot of ways, it's kind of like living in the middle of a war zone, where the victim has to try and adjust and go about their daily life as best they can, all the while knowing that At any moment, a bomb could go off. So really, what I wanted to do was write a story that conveyed that kind of atmosphere. Something that really built this sense of unbearable, unbroken tension. I wanted the listener to be on edge pretty much from the second the story begins all the way up until the moment towards the end when we learn that Brad has been killed. This story was obviously a lot more complex than my first episode, uh, which was called The Session. That first show, from a narrative perspective, is really fairly simple and linear. It takes place over the course of a single conversation with two characters who are only ever in a single setting. So there wasn't a lot I had to set up in terms of working out the actual plot. That was very much not the case when it came to first semester. Even though Dana is our main character and we see the entire story from her perspective, she's still interacting with a lot of other people in a pretty wide variety of settings. The other tricky element that I had to figure out was the length of the plot. The session took place in real time, over the course of about 40 minutes. In this case though, I had to cover a period of several months in a little less than an hour. Now. When you're writing a short story that takes place over such a long period of time, you really have to keep the narrative moving. You can't go off on any tangents because it will just kill the story's momentum. I remember in my first draft, I spent a couple paragraphs describing the first few months of Dana's time at college, and the first thing I did when I went back and reread it was to get out my red pen and strike all of that stuff out. Even though it helped fill out this picture of her life at school, it was really separate and apart from the main through-line of the story, which was this abuse and its effect on her entire family. So even though that stuff helped flesh out Dana and the world of the story, I couldn't justify keeping it in because it completely shattered this sense of narrative tension. So in that sense, writing is a lot like cooking, right? Right. It's this careful balance of a whole lot of different and complementary ingredients. You have to get them in the correct proportions to make the whole dish work. As I promised in the first of these Origins episodes, I want to use them as a form to discuss not only the process of writing a story, but also the act of creating podcast. And the main thing I learned when mixing this particular episode was the importance of introducing moments of silence at strategic points in the story. The first time I sat down and put together an initial cut of this show after recording all of the narration, I was basically just trying to take out as much time as I possibly could. I was worried that the episode would end up being too long, so I tried to take out as many of the pauses as I could. And I was really happy when I finished mixing that first cut and I ended up with a version that was just under 53 minutes long. The problem was when I went back and gave it another listen, I realized that I had basically made a huge mistake and completely robbed the story of any sense of tension. As I said before, This is a rather complicated story. It involves a lot of characters, a bunch of different settings, and even an extended flashback. And as I listened to that first cut, the whole thing just felt super rushed. And I realized very quickly that the listener needed pauses throughout the episode in order to properly absorb the story. It was really about letting the narrative breathe and develop a more natural kind of rhythm almost like music. And I realized in this very counterintuitive way that in trying to remove those moments of silence and keep the story moving, all I had really done was rob it of all its narrative tension. It sounds a little topsy-turvy because in your mind, you initially think, okay, I want to create this atmosphere of tension. I have to keep things moving at a good clip. But what you don't realize until you go back and listen to it is that those moments of silence are what create the sense of tension. The reason the listener is, or should be, tense when Dana goes back to her mother's house is because there are these moments of quiet in which the listener is waiting to hear what happens next. Probably the moment that best illustrates this point is when she busts through the door of her mother's bedroom, and there's this long two- or three-second pause before the listener learns that the room is completely empty. And hopefully, what happens in that moment of quiet is that the listener is hanging on, getting really anxious and desperate to find out what exactly Dana saw when she burst through that door holding the gun. So even though I'd spent all this time making the first cut as short as possible, I had to go back and reintroduce a lot of the pauses that I had initially removed. And even though I ended up not adding a single word, the final mix of the episode turned out to be 58 minutes. So I ended up adding five extra minutes of just complete and utter silence. And the funny thing is, even though that final mix was a full five minutes longer, it played a lot better and felt so much more impactful and tense than the other version that was actually shorter. So what am I trying to say with all this? Well. I think the lesson for anybody out there who wants to make their own podcast is not to be afraid of silence. Just try your best to embrace those moments of quiet. It's those moments that allow the listener to absorb the full impact of your story. You can actually create more tension by not saying anything at all. One of my favorite films, if not my favorite film, of this past year was A Quiet Place, which was directed by John Krasinski. It's really one of the tensest and most compelling movies I've ever seen in a theater. And there's maybe a grand total of 40 lines of spoken dialogue in the entire film. And somehow, in cutting together this episode, I had forgotten the lesson of that film, which is that you don't need constant talking in order to build a sense of tension. Oftentimes what you don't say is more important than what you do. and. Just because a story takes its time doesn't necessarily mean that it's wasting it. Given the subject matter of this latest show, I wanted to take a brief moment before signing off to list the names of a few organizations that provide resources for victims of sexual and domestic abuse. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is a great nonprofit organization that provides help through victim services, consulting, and public education initiatives. If you or someone you know is the victim of sexual assault, you can call the hotline at 1-800-656-4673. It is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're looking for ways to get involved and help raise awareness on a local level, you can go to nomore.org to find resources in your own community. There are also a multitude of counseling programs and shelters to help those who have been abused. Again, if you or someone you know has been affected by sexual or domestic abuse, please know that you're not alone and that you don't have to face this by yourself. There are many people out there who stand ready and willing to help. So please take a moment and reach out to them. That's it for this episode of Not So True Crime. If you like the show and want to help other people find it, you can leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. The more we get of both, the more people can listen to this show. You can also email us at notsotruecrime at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at notsotruecrime and Jay Visglosky. We'll be back soon with another original story. Until then, I'm John Visglosky.